Hey everybody, welcome to Spiritual Side Note. If you missed last week's episode, I do encourage you to um, go back and listen to it as this is part two of Haley's story. Um, We got to hear part one uh, last week, so uh, you're going to be a little bit lost and confused if you don't do that first. Um, But if you already listened to it, get ready to jump into part two today uh, as Haley kind of begins part two talking about her college years moving forward. I hope that her story is just impactful for you uh, as you kind of hear the journey she's been on over the years. Thanks, everybody. Here we go. Went to college at Indiana Wesleyan. I feel like I'm missing so many big parts. Went to college at Indiana Wesleyan um, a year before Shay went to school there and made some really, really great girlfriends who are still incredibly dear to me. Um, Brett and Annie and Jordan specifically have really stayed consistent in my life since college, and I'm super grateful for their friendship and the the love and grace that I've experienced in those friendships I think was the first time I'd ever really experienced that kind of consistency. And a part of that comes from, like, living together. Because, again, people have had horrible roommate experiences. And we were roomed randomly together. And it was just by the grace of God that Mm. we all... And we all just treated each other well. Um, So they have been beautiful um, poetry pieces in my life of friendship that have just walked through a lot and never gone anywhere. I'm super grateful for that. So shouts out to you guys, too. Um, I, in college then, like, was pursuing youth ministry. At that point, that's where I really felt like God was leading me into being a youth pastor, a youth leader of some sort. Adolescent ministries is really what I, my uh, major was in. And then I ended up taking so many Bible classes that I major, majored in biblical literature, took lots of, like, Greek classes, um, loved, loved the ancient language, like just loved being able to sit down and study the word and know what this is saying in a different way than just like reading it. I think the Holy Spirit speaks to us that way. But there was something so powerful to me about being able to look at like what words meant and historically what things meant. And I just remember the word coming alive in a different way. And in college, probably freshman or sophomore year was when I realized that I could tell a difference in my attitude when I wasn't in the word every day because there would be seasons of time I wasn't in it at all. And I was like, wait, somehow my attitude's better when I'm in the word. That's interesting. (laughs) There must be a correlation. Yeah. And I really can't even, I can't tell you when I started reading the word every day. Hmm. It could, it could have been like after we were living in California for a while. Um, I really can't remember, but it is absolutely imperative to our walk with Jesus, to be in the word every day, to listen to his truth, to put his truth in front of us. I think it's one of the greatest ploys in the enemy to be like, I don't have time or I'll do it later. So Haley has to do it first thing um, in the morning, even if it's just like a small snippet, like a small snack, if you will, like this. I'm reading this devotional called the 40 day sugar fast. And that's what she calls it in there. She's like, maybe you just get a snack (laughs) right now and you have your like meat meal later. Um, which is often what my my day kind of looks like right now with littles. Yeah. But that started more in college, partially because I was in biblical classes where I had to read the Bible. So I'm, I'm just super grateful that God stirred that hunger in me. And I, I just met lots of great people, had really great professors, really good experiences. 
Um, but still felt like I didn't quite fit, hmm. even though I had these really great friends because, because I was dating you, um, I didn't really like want to hang out with other guys at this point. Like Tyler, Matt and Jaren were my buddies in high school, but then I felt like, okay, I have a boyfriend. So it'd be kind of weird for me to just like go hang out with random guys. So we would talk while my friends went to hang out with like soccer people or whatever. So I felt like I was oddly like in this beautiful group of friends and yet didn't fit into all the things that they did and I wasn't invited to everything and that that's totally fine but in some ways I think it just made me feel like I was still kind of on the outside a little bit Um, but after my freshman year is the first time I got to travel overseas like I'd been on a mission trip to Mexico when I was 14 but we literally drove over the border so I don't consider that overseas Um, I got to go to Swaziland it was called Swaziland at the time Africa and it just wrecked me in the most beautiful way And in between high school and that point at college, I'd really struggled with beauty, like wanting to be beautiful in a certain way, like felt like I had to do my hair and my makeup every day, had to dress a certain way um, in order to be beautiful. Like to the point I believed that if I didn't wear makeup, people wouldn't recognize who I was Hmm. like that's ridiculous, but that's how morphed my brain had become. And I remember one day when I hadn't worn makeup and someone said hi to me and I was like, oh, wow, I I don't look like a totally different like alien or (laughs) something. Um, but still like it, it actually, when I traveled to Africa, one of the rules on the trip, good or bad, was you're not allowed to wear makeup. They like forced us to not wear makeup. And it was a huge freedom for me Hmm. for those two weeks because I wasn't allowed to. And yet I felt super uncomfortable. And yet God, like he put this little boy, Joshua in my life. He was four or five at the time. My name is Joshua Malaza. I'm five years old. Like, he would pick up a toy phone and just say that over and over again. He'd be 16 right now. That's nuts. I still talk to his sister, Zinclay. That's crazy. Anyways. Hi, Zinclay. Um, so he was five at the time. And we re- I don't know why, but we were just buddies when I was there. And we were staying on the property where his family lived. I remember I came out of the house where we were staying at one day and he ran to me and I just bent down and picked him up and I held him like he was facing me, but his like body was out for me a little bit. Like he had his legs wrapped around my waist sort of thing. And my hair was blowing in the wind and he took his little hands and he pushed all the hair out of my face and he just stared at me. And I remember thinking that I was looking at the face of God, like God was seeing me through that little boy. And I felt so beautiful for the first time in my whole life. And um, I remember, like, the wind took my hair out of his fingers, and he, like, pushed the hair, like, took his hand off my face, pushed the hair back again, and just stared at me. And I started crying, and I remember him tilting his head, kind of confused, like, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm okay. But it was, I really felt like God saw me. Hmm. It was an incredible moment. Um, I still struggled with beauty for a long time after that, thinking my identity was and is at that time, I don't believe this anymore, but is and was and what I looked like or um, what I ate. I actually didn't care about what I ate for years. Like not till after we got married did I care about what I ate, which is crazy. I had a mom who was like super good at teaching me to eat balanced, um, but I just didn't know how to do that well. So I just kind of ate whatever I wanted and whatever, but I suddenly realized this is a turn in my story in beauty I quit caring so much about like what my face and my hair looked like and totally turned to what my body looked like. Um, I started working out consistently like 
in college, but really like right before we got married, probably because I like thought that's what you did, <laughs> like when you got married or whatever. Um, and I remember almost feeling like, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I look like because Shay's the only person that's ever going to see me. But I just like something, something flipped, man. I don't even know what it was, but we got married my junior between junior and senior year of college. And I remember standing in our apartment one day and suddenly something switched in my head and I could not see myself, my body at all as beautiful. And I believe that's when the eating disorder began. Cause that's when I started, um, diet programs and like would cry because I had to eat shriveled up shrimp instead of pizza or whatever. But Shane, guys, Shane and I, the first year we were married, we would pound a large pizza by ourselves <laughs> for date night. Would we eat with the these, whole thing? Yes. I didn't think we'd eat the whole thing. I thought we did. Maybe we did. I, at least a couple times with breadsticks. Maybe if we had breadsticks, we didn't eat the whole thing. And huge Polar Pops and bags of Twizzlers. Like, I don't know how college bodies can do that, but we did that often. And it we was were on like, Monday date night because Papa John's had $6 right. one topping large pizza. That's right. Yeah. And we were, I mean, poor considered like we just did not have a lot of money yeah, no. at all we lived off a thousand dollars a month yeah which is crazy like god just really provided for us um fun fact the dude who eventually lived under us in our house because we lived in a house that was converted into apartments and we lived upstairs the guy that lived under us was named daniel and he ended up marrying my uh, roommate jordan so that's a fun little fact for you um anyway why we lived out to daniel hey daniel <laughs> You guys make cute babies. Evie's adorable. So in in that season, I remember like I also had to fast. I didn't have to, but you could choose. And this is really funny, but you could choose to fast for three days for extra credit. <laughs> it sounds terrible. but It it's, does, but it was really powerful. I was going to say, it's one of those things where it's like it's encouraging you to engage in a spiritual discipline, but he's not requiring it. Right, right. right. It wasn't like I'm requiring you to do the spiritual discipline for your class because that feels weirder yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, man, I remember during that three days, I even had smoothies, you guys. Like it wasn't like I wasn't eating. and I was crying. Like there was some strange attachment I had to food. Um, and y'all and gotta not- be honest day two she was crying <laughs> on the floor of our apartment and I was utterly confused and lost as to what to do I was like girl it's been like 36 hours how you you're acting like you're dying and I don't know what to do because like you're acting like this is real so like are you actually dying and there's something I'm missing or I didn't know what to do yeah well I didn't know what to do either obviously but here we are I survived I really think at, like as I've come like this this far down the road, I just didn't like saying no to myself. Mm-hmm. Like dying to my flesh was not something I was accustomed to. Yeah. And I'm learning to do that with the Holy Spirit. And it still hurts, but oh my goodness. Like I was comparing that to the other times I have fasted and I was like, wow, I was that was crazy. <laughs> like, but it was hard. Like there was something about me not being able to eat whatever I wanted yeah. that really felt like totally out of my control, even though I was the one that committed to this thing, but I also committed to it. So I didn't want to quit. So it felt like there was no end. Like it was weird. Mm -hmm. It was one of the weirdest things I had experienced. Um, But I just, that highlights like this desire I had for control Mm -hmm. because that's really what eating disorders are in the first place. But I think 
before me tilting into the eating disorder of like counting all the calories and doing all the diets and all the things like that, the control was in me being able to eat whatever I wanted. Like I could just, I can remember thinking about food from the time I was small, not in the sense of like, I need to watch what I eat, but like at a birthday party, like, am I going to be first in line so I can have cake and the cake, like the piece I want? Can I have this many gummy bears, mom? Oh my word. Athelia is me. Anyways. Um, like I just wanted to be able to eat all the food all the time. So I don't know if that's like a normal thing, but I thought about it a lot, even if it wasn't in an unhealthy way, the way it tilted into in the sense of like, oh my gosh, am I eating way too many calories? It was, I just want to eat whatever I want and to have as much as I want. So it was just not saying no to myself. Mm. I was not good at that. Even emotionally, like I wasn't good at saying no to my feelings, like without... Um, not validating my feelings because our feelings are real. Like we feel them. That doesn't mean yeah. they're true. So I would just say yes to all the things in my head, all the things going on inside of me. Like I was just not good at saying no to me. Um, and I, I just tilted into like doing all these workout programs and, and yeah, I didn't change what I ate. So I would just continue to eat whatever I wanted and then expected my body to change somehow. And it didn't. And, um, super long story, because, you know, I could, I feel like I could just keep talking forever. She's like, I'm going to ask you one question. You're going to keep going because you talk so much. He's not wrong. I was going to say, I've asked you one question and we're going on minute 40 of your story. Okay, I'll wrap it up here pretty soon. Um, during this time, like after my senior year is when we felt called to pursue missions overseas. And we moved to, and that was huge for me, by the way, because Shay at first was like, this is not what we're called to do. Or I don't feel called to this. So then when he said, I feel like we're called to this, I was like, what are you kidding? That's amazing. So we started pursuing overseas missions. And at this time I had been to Africa and then I had, I was able to go to Greece and then I was able to go to Thailand and Cambodia and do an anti-trafficking trip. So I had already been blessed at like doing all these missions trips while at school. And I was able to raise funds for that. It was incredible. So then while we were pursuing uh, missions in Rome, we moved to California to live with Shay's family to kind of reopen connections there while we raised funds. Um, and I remember I worked at Starbucks at the time. I remember looking in the mirror and I could usually, if I was just full, suck my stomach back in to a certain spot and I couldn't do it. And I weighed myself when I got home and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've gained like 10 pounds since moving here. And it had only been like two or three months. Like, that's how much I was just eating. So I don't know if that was partially emotional, if it was just like me not saying no to myself, but something changed that day. I opened an app and started counting calories and doing all the workouts. And I dropped, I don't even know, 15 pounds maybe within a matter of a couple months, a month and a half. And someone said something to me and that makes you feel good. And it became an addiction. Like, to count calories, to be in control of something. And I didn't know all that was going on. I was just like, I need to stay in this certain weight now. But then it turned into binging. Like I would just eat all of the stuff with as little calories as possible without tilting over. And if it tipped over the amount I was supposed to go over, then I would do an extra workout. Like I couldn't miss a workout because I would get like pissed off. Um, 
couldn't miss a meal or a snack because that would frustrate me. Like it was all, I was just so out of control and our marriage was falling apart during that time. I felt like probably hugely because I felt like I was falling apart Hmm. and I didn't know that you couldn't make me feel certain ways. Like I was just good at blaming everything and everyone around me for all this stuff. And during that time we were blessed to be able to go overseas more than once to look at places or teams. So we were gen genuinely able in some ways to travel the world while we were raising funds and like God used those places and those people to change my life. Hmm. Um, There's so many people from those parts of my stories, like the, the Ootmans. Oh, Rachel and Tim and joy. Oh, I love you guys. And around October time I get sentimental because that's when I lived in London with him for four weeks was in October. Wow, guys, that was special. Um, They were huge in my life. Like, they just saw me in a way that kind of Jana had, where they, I just felt normal around them. Like, I didn't have to prove anything or do anything. They just welcomed us into their lives and, like, showed us their their world and their ministry and just let us be a part of things. And they were going to be training us to do a team in Rome because that's where they had moved from. So they, they were the ones who, like, met us in Rome when we got there. And for our first vision trip, like... It was just amazing. And then we met Jonathan and Juliet, and Juliet became one of my best friends. And I've been in more countries with Juliet than any other person in my life, just at all these random things we've been at. I don't even, yeah, it's just been crazy. So God just blessed my life during those times with people who I feel like he put in place to walk things with me I didn't even know I needed. And Estelle was one of them. Estelle became someone, she lived in London, um, growing up and then moved to Rome. So I actually met her in Rome. And then we were back in London at the same time and hung out in London. And she became a voice in my life that started speaking truth in a way I'd never experienced. And she would text me a verse every day and tell me I was loved, chosen, called, redeemed, honored, cherished, pursued by God. She would just say that every day, every day, every day. And she would listen, but she would call out crap. Like this woman is gifted. Um, And those people just began to walk the next several, well, two and a half years with us. We couldn't raise enough funds. Um, And really, I think it's because God didn't have us there. Like, we are where we're supposed to be. Um, We moved back to Indiana after two and a half years of trying to raise funds. We just felt like um, it's not what we were supposed to do. God closed the doors on not just Rome, but also South Africa and Nicaragua. We just felt like we weren't supposed to be overseas in general. And our organization was like, how about we try South Africa and Nicaragua, like somewhere a little bit cheaper. And we just felt like we weren't at peace with that. We needed to go be healed because there's a lot of gaping holes in this story. Like there was just a lot going on and we weren't whole and we needed to step out of ministry and be healed. So we moved, called Peter and Lindsay, who in college got married like the week after we did and lived right across the street from us. And they became the best friends we've ever had, like as a couple. Um, And they were on our podcast with us a few weeks ago, if you got to listen to that. If not, go back and listen. They're they're incredible and their hearts are amazing. Um, So we were like, we're going to move wherever Peter and Lindsay are. They're like, guys, you can move here if that's what God's asking you to do. But we're about to move from here. Like Peter's almost done with school. And Peter goes, what about Marion? And we were like, that's it. That was the last place we had community. But we didn't want to go back to Marion because it felt like taking a step back. So it was a huge, like, humility thing. We sold our cars, like, 
everything big that we had that we like just didn't need. And we loaded up a moving truck and we had no jobs and we had nowhere to live. And we started driving east. And it was the biggest leap of faith we ever had, like up until that point. And it was incredible. Like we were in debt because we owed money like um, on a credit card because we didn't have jobs. And then we bought a car for my brother-in-law when we stopped in Kansas on our way to Indiana and owed him money. So we had like basically negative money to our name. Um, no jobs. Usually that's what in debt means. Yeah. Um, but along the way, like <clears throat> we had worked in a youth group with one of these guys and met the other one, but really like didn't know these guys well. And the wife of one of the guys was like, Hey, to Shay's sister, Gabby, if your brother and sister need a place to stay, they can crash with us. And I was like, no way. We're going to have our own place. We need to heal. We couldn't find a place. So we ended up living with the crew Bannons and it was the best thing that could have happened to us. Like, and at that time, God knew we needed that community of people. We became a family. Like it was important. Um, and one of the reasons it was important is because on our move back, when we stopped in Kansas is when my parents told us they were getting divorced and everyone in the home that we moved into had experienced something Either their parents were divorced or their parents' marriages weren't healthy or something. Like, they had just experienced turmoil in family and just had this space that was like, if you guys want to talk, we're here. But if you just want to be alone, that's okay. There's zero expectation. And it was amazing. And we lived with them for a few months, and then we found a house um, and were there for a couple months. And I became an ABA therapist, and Shay was doing lots of small jobs on the side and like God just provided what we needed during this time in like a really beautiful way. We were able to reconnect with a lot of the kiddos that we had in youth group who were then in college, which is crazy. You know, some of them are married with babies and stuff. Um, it was just a really, really beautiful time. And then we got random Facebook message from uh, Jason Holdridge to Shay, who was like, hey, someone gave me your name. I'm looking for youth pastor. You want to talk? So that began our journey up to Michigan. And we were, what, like a six-month interview process, I think, is what it felt like. Five months. I mean, yeah. I mean, that first message came in January. Yeah. And we moved on July 1st. So. Yeah. So we went through lots of lots of discussions. Um, and they accepted a couple of pretty broken people. A couple of pretty broken people. Because I was still in the thick of an eating disorder. I had no idea I had... Um, Shay had been in and out of struggling with pornography since high school and had really done well for a while and then um, had to confess to me like I've been struggling with it for a year when our marriage had been broken and it was just like, we were just broken people and in the middle of healing and what was incredible is these guys Jason, John and Ryan could see something in us that they were willing to walk alongside of us in to help us heal. And I don't think I had experienced that before. Like I just, in leadership anyways, I almost felt like you had to be something in order to get somewhere. Like they, they were already supposed to be prepackaged in something beautiful, like that perfectionistic part of me in order to be acceptable. And they're like, no, like, come. Um, and this has just been a space where I've experienced the most growth I've ever experienced all at once in my life. And I truly believe that has just come from these people. Well, first and foremost, and only from God himself, like the power of the Holy Spirit and transforming work. But he's put people in our lives to like call things out, um, to give us opportunities to heal, to like call things out again. Um, just 
it has been a ground of great healing here. And it was, we had lived here two years, maybe a year, two years when Julia emailed me and was like, Haley, I think you have an eating disorder. Um, and I was so grateful for that email because in some ways it gave my brain a relief. Like that's what's going on. Cause at this time it had spiraled into, I told you I was going to wrap this up. Sorry, y'all. Um, it had spiraled into like uh, binge eating and purging. I actually tried to make myself throw up, but I couldn't. My body wouldn't let me. So purging looked like over-exercising. It looked like starving myself. It looks like, um, yeah, just various things. And I felt super unsafe around food like because I felt like I could never stop eating it. Um, and then I knew I would have to work all of that off. Like I was just so unhealthy mentally and I would isolate at home because I felt like so imperfect and so vulnerable and like so angry I was just I would have like fits of rage um like pounding the floors like digging my nails into my skin trying to hurt myself without cutting myself like it was just it was the most desperate season of my life I've ever experienced it was really dark and yeah I was in the healthiest place physically like here in Michigan than I ever had been. And yeah, I felt so alone, but there was this, like this, some sort of relief to hear from someone like, this is what I think might be going on to give it a name. And it wasn't the only thing going on. Like there was a lot of pride and issues with control and fear and anxiety in my life. And naming the the eating disorder, something gave me a movement forward. And a month later I went to Africa because this church we became a part of impact has a partnership with Swazilander, Eswatini. And I, I went and standing in the airport, Dan Boone and I ended up next to each other and we shouldn't have been because we actually were in one line and like Dan was at the end of the line and we were in the wrong line. So we all got out of line, went in another line and ended up right next to me. So he should have been right next to me. Um, and he asked me some sort of question. We had a conversation and I was like, dang, that freaks me out because it was about demons. And he was like, really talk to me about that. And all these memories from my childhood popped up about being fear, fearful of Satan and demons. And he was like, hmm, God told me we'd talk about fear. I was like, what? I don't think I'd ever heard anyone tell me something that God had told them about me. And we, he just opened his Bible because I was just talking about how I was fearful that the enemy would get me or something that like maybe somewhere inside, like I'm not saved. And he read, actually he had me read passages, which is what was powerful. But standing in the South African airport, because that's where you have to land first when you go to Swaziland, scales fell off my eyes is what it felt like when I read that he who confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes it in his heart will be saved, period. Not what I do, not what I don't do. Like I was saved. And that was the first time I had ever believed that, that like I was saved and not because of me, but because of Jesus. And he just started walking me through all these passages about who Jesus was and who he says I am. And I saw scripture differently for the first time ever. And for the following 36 hours, not the whole time, but just various chunks of it, whether we were driving on a bus for, because we were on a bus for hours going from South Africa to Swaziland, where I would just write down all of these fears, anxieties, um, like 
self-protecting vows is one of the things it's called where you make these promises. I will never do that. I will always do this. That will never happen to me where you've tried to protect yourself and just renouncing or abandoning all those things at the foot of the cross and giving them back to Jesus. Because when I had accepted all those things as true about me, I had removed protection from me in some ways um, because I was believing all these lies, giving giving my attention to all of these things. But Jesus, like I would have said, I was afraid of everything at that point in my life. Absolutely everything. Um, and we went through hours and hours and hours and hours of renouncing things and asking God for forgiveness and having him open my eyes and reading scripture and truths. And I left Africa a different person than when I went there. It was remarkable. And I really believe that was the jumping off point into this this freedom experience where I just had always wanted to be free. Like I've randomly run, run across old journals. I used to journal all the time. And y'all, most of them are really, really sad. Like just these awful thoughts about myself and other people that I had just accepted as mine. Like I would hate on myself when I would have bad thoughts about me or other people. Like, why do I think that? Because I didn't realize that not every thought and feeling is mine. The enemy has access to my thoughts and feelings and he can feed me things. I can choose to accept them as truth or I can choose to surrender them to Jesus. And you can say, yeah, that feeling's actually true. Or no, it's not. Like that thought running through your head, that's why you have to surrender it to me and make it captive to me, Haley, because that thought isn't true. Um, that I was really learning that my identity was only in Jesus. So like just learning to love who he's made me to be has been this journey over the last like three, three years since then, three and a half years. <coughs> Four years. Dang. Right, because it was a year before Thalia was born. Yeah, so four years. Yeah. Um, And what's crazy is I thought I was free then, and I am, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But then I'll I'll go through a season where I learn something else and surrender in a new way, and I'm like, oh, this is is more freedom than I experienced before. Wow. And then I'll go through a season like, oh my gosh, there's more freedom that I haven't been experiencing. Like God has just been so faithful in this transforming work in my life where um, the eating disordered mindset didn't just go away. And I very much still struggle sometimes with like dysmorphia in my mind. Um, But even the amount he's healed me from where I can like eat a burger and fries and not feel like I have to work out the next day. I can not work out every day and feel like I'm not going to die, but it is taking a surrendering every moment to the Holy Spirit. Um, to die to myself every moment and ask him what he wants of me, asking him to show me what to eat and when and and why. Like, why am I eating? Why do I turn to things besides Jesus? And um, just giving him full reign in my life. Um, and I, the anger and rage thing really has just been ushered out of my life through peace. Like, just making decisions out of peace and, instead of fear. Like, all of those things going on in my life were just symptoms of this deeper thing, like fear and anxiety and control, um, where I wasn't surrendered to God and trusting who he said he was and trusting who he says I am. And I, I still don't always believe those things automatically. Like, I don't always react and act the way. Yeah. Like, they're true, but I'm learning to excuse me, learning to believe them or speaking truth even when I don't feel it or choosing to believe it even when I don't feel it. And that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, truly, even outside of like childbirth or experiencing the death of loved ones because it feels like you're crazy to do the opposite of what you feel is true and pressing into that or saying no to yourself, right? Like that feels so hard. 
but there's freedom in that unlike anything I've ever experienced when I am surrendered to Jesus Christ and praying and seeking him and listening to his heart and being in his word that like, Holy Spirit, would you lead me every moment, truly every moment? Um, praying for humility because I, that hadn't been a, a natural prayer in my life and for generosity, like there's a whole nother part of my story we didn't even talk about with money, but yeah. just like everything I have is God's, not mine. Um, and I, I still struggle with relationships. Like I still feel on the outside of like everything and he's making me into who he, he's made me to be. And I'm more and more and more comfortable and content with that as I surrender to him, when I try to take anything back is when I get confused all over again. Like, where am I supposed to be? And like, okay, when I just got that text, you don't want to be my friend anymore. Like, what does that mean for my life? And and when you said that, what, what did that mean for my life? And what's true and what's not true? And just ushering my hands in open surrender again. Like, nope, I am who you say I am. And if there's anything in my life, any grievous way in me, would you make that clear to me and remove it from me? Um, and wanting to model that for our kids has been huge because they're, I mean, they're a huge part of the story. I didn't even bring up like there are just so many, so many other things. But ultimately, just giving you guys parts of this backstory because we often get to talk about our kiddos and yeah. and how we disciple them or what it means to, to pour into other people's lives. Like that's a, a huge and yet it's so weird. Your life feels like, I mean, what? There's 31 years of information for me to give and yeah. like. 45 or longer minute period of time that might just put some, some pieces together for you. And, and my hope is, I think just to speak into like, we're not perfect. Like yeah. just cause we're pastors, we're not, doesn't mean we're perfect or because we have a podcast or because you might see us from the outside and think we have it all together. It's just not true. Like we need people. We need Jesus first. We need people. We need accountability and people to ask us how we are. Because, oh, yeah, I've also struggled with alcohol. Like, I don't drink anymore because I felt like it was something easy to turn to. Not to ever be drunk, but just, like, I can't wait to have that because it'll help me not care when I'm around people. Um, Or just, like, feeling like I wanted it. Like, I just really – I struggle with addiction. I struggle with addiction in multiple ways that I have to just surrender to Jesus and say no to myself with his power so that I'm not, like – trying to control my life. Um, I wanted to throw that in there just because I want, yeah, I want people to know we've struggled. Like we're not perfect. And it is only by the grace of God that we are where we are today or who we are or any of us, not just Shafin and I, but like any of us. And that every good and perfect thing is from him. And what we look for is what we'll see. And I don't mean that prosperity-wise. I just mean if you're looking for all the things in your life that are going to make you feel weird, you're going to see them. But if you look for how you're blessed, you'll see that. Hmm. Like it, where our brains focus is what gets bigger. So if I'm looking for the hand of God, I will, I will see it. And if I'm surrendering to him, he will tell me what to do and where to go. He'll give me the power to do what he calls me to do. So it doesn't mean that I still don't struggle with depression sometimes that that comes knocking at my door part probably more than anything right after the eating disordered mindset. Hmm. Um, but those are the things that I, I just have to close the door to over and over and over again. Yeah. And sometimes I invite them in like an old friend and it's always a bad idea. <laughs> and there are times where I, I don't invite them in or I, at least on purpose, but I've left a window open or something and there they are sitting on my couch like, hmm. Hey, Haley, 
And that can come because I'm not resting and I'm burning out or saying yes to too many things for the sake of the gospel when God hasn't called me to say yes to things. Just all these checks in my life and checks I hope people who are listening can make in their lives. Like what's really going on? What are the, what are these things happening up here that are really the symptoms of something deeper? You know, kind of like the 10% of the iceberg versus the, the 90% that's underwater. That that's my prayer for us this week is whatever story you come from, hmm. like what, what does God want to say to you and who he, who he says he is in his word is true. Like he is the redeemer. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. He's the creator. He's the healer. He's hope and our shepherd. He is the light in the life of all man. He's the way, the truth, the life. And he is who he says we are. Like we're made in his image. We're children of God. It's either in Psalms or Proverbs actually calls us the apple of his eye. Like he has more thoughts of us than the sand on the seashore. Hmm. Like there are so many truths to latch on to. Um, yeah, just, I just pray that whoever hears this, if you made it this far, <laughs> is practicing a heart of surrender today. Just wondering what God has for you and where he wants to lead you, even if you come from a train wreck or what you feel like as a train wreck. Like God has... He has transforming power that builds beautiful things out of broken places, and he can do that in your life. So thanks for listening to my uh, long-winded story. And yet it was very truncated. Yeah. That's a little bit of me. Hmm. Well, thanks for taking the time to share. Thanks for listening. I feel like it gives some good good backstory and context around some of the other conversations we have. So hopefully it's helpful. I hope so. And if not, it was helpful for me to think back through some things. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, um, taking time. We hope that you have an amazing week. Yeah. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Bless you guys.